The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Finelli, that's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3, and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand, thanks for hanging out, smash that subscribe, smash that like, and come and join us in that chat, Eight. aka the yards, Cover 3 yards. tailgate, where we're already starting to unveil our upon further review, lots of time to be able to dig into a very, very busy Saturday, you know, re-listening to the Instant Reaction Pod, I was even a little bit surprised. I was like, man, we didn't we didn't cover a lot of ground. I'm excited. I'm already fired up for Monday so that we can continue to pick it apart and spin things ahead to week eight. Of course, we are going to have Pole Assassin as we do every single Monday. The people have been demanding it. The return of day trading Danny. We got that as well, along with our upon further review opinions. First, quick news item. We got an update that's kind of a non-update. We didn't discuss Brock Bowers' ankle injury a lot on Saturday night, but um, some of the reports are making it look um, as though he'll be missing some amount of time. You know, Georgia's off this week. They returned to action at the end of the month against Florida in Jacksonville. Um, I saw one report that was, quote, not optimistic for the Florida game. Danny, when we're looking at, oh yeah, Danny did nine Brock Bowers injury updates on CBS Sports <laughs> HQ live on Saturday. I, I, of course, I'm coming to you first here. But when we look at Brock Bowers' importance to this Georgia offense and then also the schedule, is there a timeline that you think could be problematic in terms of what his absence could mean for Georgia's hopes of another SEC championship of making it to the college football playoff? Um. No, I think as long as he's back for the SEC championship game, they're fine. 
Like that's what, I mean, and that's what, I mean, it was, it was like a fire drill. It was like the panic meter was going off. Like, oh my gosh, we got to get this news, this breaking news. Brock Bowers is down. And then I saw the play and then I saw him walk off the field. And then you saw him go in. He was limping a little bit more when he went into the locker room, but it just looked like a sprained ankle. And I think always is the high ankle sprain or the low. I think Kirby said it was like on the bottom of his foot. I would think he's back like worst case scenario four weeks. And I think best case scenario, he's on the field against Florida after the bye week. Like I, but like the luxury that Georgia has because of the schedule, they can kind of, you know, take their time, make sure he's really good to go. And maybe you want to try to get him back for Knoxville, you know, road game, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. That's probably the one where you need him the most. Perusing Georgia Twitter this morning, which is not official, obviously. I'm going to set the over/under for when he's back as the uh, the Tennessee game in Knoxville. Like, there's reports out there. Uh, I don't know who issued the reports because I just in some Twitter DMs like, hey, you know, r- reports that he needs tightrope surgery, which is like four to six weeks. So I, yeah, like if I'm Florida, I'm prepping as if Brock Bowers will not be playing for Georgia against me. Tennessee should probably plan on Brock Bowers. And look, that's again, that's reading the tea leaves of Twitter, but. I mean, if we just pushing waited for the to team Tennessee, to tell us. Pushing it out to Tennessee does include, I mean, it is the hardest part of Georgia's schedule, right? I mean, I, I was sitting there trying to put together, like, what is Georgia's best win? That's a fun exercise to go through right now. But yeah. um, Missouri, Ole Miss also are on that schedule after the Florida game. You Do you think that Brock Bowers, his absence would impact? They're both at home. They're both in Athens. But do you think those would make um, make winning – those two football games a little bit more difficult? Yeah. I mean, right. let's go back to the Auburn game. Was Georgia having an easy time of beating Auburn, the Auburn team that LSU just completely beat the hell out of on Saturday? No, it wasn't until they started feeding the ball to Brock Bowers that they really took control of that game and won the game. Like, he's their best player on offense. Maybe he's not the most important because you can always say the quarterback's going to be the most important. But for a team that can't run the ball and has had to kind of start relying on throwing the ball around, losing your best receiving target is never going to be a good thing. Now, will it lead to them losing? I, I don't know, but it's definitely not going to help them at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, he's probably worth like a point or point and a half to the point spread. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, Which he, for he a is, tight end is, is going to be like yes. yeah. unreal. Mo- yeah. Most tight ends, I just really could not care. Unless you had like a cluster injury situation where you, you know, three or four guys uh, were all out at the same position. Uh, but like, George is still going to be a three score favorite in all of those games, with the exception of the game at Tennessee. Right. And we'll, we'll see if he comes back. So, you know, maybe they are what? Like maybe they're 15 overall miss and not 18. That's still a game you're, you're expected to win comfortably. May not may not be pretty, but you know, they, at home Georgia kind of overwhelms people. Weren't they only fourteen versus Auburn? You don't think it'll be closer to ten versus Ole Miss? So I mean, Auburn that was, was on the road. Yeah. Oh, that's right, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they won't. Yeah, they definitely won't be ten over Ole Miss because, like, if if, if you're more. making Georgia like a twenty-eight thirty, right, which is probably the best team, but not like the clear like no doubt Natty team, like Ole Miss ain't a twenty. Yeah. Not with that, not with that defense. So, I mean, it, they're probably more somewhere between like a thirteen and a sixteen. Let's just call it sixteen. Best case scenario, you, you're you're looking at like twelve, thirteen, neutral field, 
that'll probably be a night game. So three, three and a half home field. There'll be three score favorites without Bowers. They're all perfect tens to me. Just wonderful teams filled with great boys. So there was a time when the Cover 3 podcast was a Georgia pod. And then, you know, I, I think Georgia got too big. And we, we had to give them up to the masses, you know, take, let them go be mainstream. Um, we were there first, okay? We Name three them. songs off Georgia's first album. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so if I'm to go total, like, Georgia perspective on this and, and spin it forward in a way where I agree with you, bud, like, you should still be winning those games against Florida, Missouri, and Ole Miss. Now I do want to see who steps up. Like, I, like, this is okay. And some of that might not even be on the offensive side. Some of that might be on the defensive side of the football as well, which, you know, had some had some issues. Like, the first play against Vanderbilt, whatever, that looked like a Vanderbilt offensive coaching staff that was tired of putting up zero points in back-to-back years. But, you know, you still gave up 20 points to Vanderbilt. You still allowed Auburn to run the ball really effectively. Like, the defense is going to have even more of a challenge. You've got Luther Burden coming to town. Like, you've got an Ole Miss offense that can get really hot – so this is where if Brock Bowers is out as a, from the Georgia's perspective, you want to say, okay, we know that we've got this super, super high floor because of the raw talent. Now, what about the production and the execution? Who is going to step up in that wide receiver room? Who is going to step up on the defensive side? There is room for improvement with Georgia. Cause bud, you're right. Their power rating is like, you know, national title contender, but no doubt, but we thought that they were going to be in that no doubt status. We looked at the roster and said, like, this could be an even better team than last year. And the execution just hasn't been there yet. So from Georgia, you're like, all right, here are games that we should win. But the absence of our easy button means someone else has to step up. You know, now let's see who, who answers that question. I mean, I continue to be pretty impressed by this passing game with the receivers. You know, like, like you're going to get Rosemary Jackson back. Dominic Lovett is a really nice player for you. I, I think the pass pro, for the most part, for UGA is just fine. They just need to lean in on Carson Beck more. Like Carson Beck's playing, to me, like, like the second-best quarterback in the SEC. Daniels is playing the best, but it, I think it's pretty clearly Beck number two right now, maybe, maybe Rattler three. Um, Brady Cook is playing pretty okay. I mean, he he didn't look good against Kentucky. Apparently, we are criminally underrating Jane Daniels' season, even though he was the runner-up for the player of the month in the month of <laughs> September and is putting together a decent candidacy for the player of the month in the month of October as well. But I, I like your Carson Beck call. Like this, if hey, if you want to go like fly, Carson Beck Heisman flyer right now, he's got four games mm. that are going to be massive. And if he puts that offense on his back, he's going to have a very different uh, position in that Heisman Trophy conversation come the end of November. Didn't and, we and say? Speaking of the Heisman, condolences to everybody who was trying to push the idea that Brock Bowers could win it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. To me, was that was always nonsense. Yeah. Like, I thought he could get to New York. It was kind of like the Shador thing. Like, Shador can't win the Heisman. He could get to New York. Listen, Bowers nonsense is fun. To- all right. I just it we, is we have to introduce this nonsense. Okay. We, we need we need to actually start offering get to New York bets because I think that offers a lot more creativity and it creates fun discussion. But there are certain guys who can get there, but you know, can't actually win it. And the media Do they votes have on that? This. Does any book not, have that? Because it would be great. I wish they not did. this early, not this early in the season. Yeah. It, they'll they'll some places will offer Heisman finalists like in the last four weeks. Yeah, I mean, if you could price it, obviously it's it's. I mean, that's so tough because yeah. the line for finalists is anywhere from like three to six, mm-hmm. and it depends on the voting right. margins. And that's the inex- placing a wager on that inexact science is. Uh, 
I mean, I'd, I'd rather bet on the coin flip. And this Not is enough straw poll data out there for the books to risk it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so of course we will be uh, keeping our eye on that every single Monday. We gather together to look at the new AP Top 25 poll, break it down, look at some of the changes, maybe some interesting voting decisions. We call it Bowl Assassin. So, um, it obviously we uh, the no change among the top four teams in the new AP Top Twenty Five poll. Georgia at one, Michigan at two, Ohio State at three, Florida State at four. Washington jumps ahead of Oklahoma and Penn State after the win against Oregon. They check in at number five. Oregon only down one spot to number nine. North Carolina makes a move up into the top ten, checking in at number ten. USC, after the loss, tumbles eight spots down to number 18. Notre Dame jumps up six spots up to number 15. I want to start with the USC side of this. What is a is, is this a fair drop for the Trojans? They're a one-loss team currently slated behind a lot of other one-loss teams and one spot ahead of two-loss LSU. Tennessee, Duke, Utah, Ole Miss, Oregon State, Alabama, and of course Texas and Oregon—all higher-ranked one-loss teams. Is this a is this a fair spot for the Trojans to fall in the, the wake of that Notre Dame loss? I think so. Yeah, like I mean, it's if it's not USC and it's just a mid-level Pac-12 team with the same resume, we wouldn't have them higher than 18th with the same resume. You know, having not really beaten anybody, struggled to beat some average teams and then losing your only true test of the season in like hilariously bad fashion. Yeah, no, this is, um, you can make an argument. They're ranked too high with what yeah, they've Colorado's, actually accomplished. Colorado's one of their two best wins. Mm-hmm. Their two best wins are against four and three, Arizona and four and three, Colorado. The, the only reason that you're keeping them high is the, the presence of Caleb Williams and the belief of you know what this team can accomplish at its very best. But uh, 43-41 over Arizona, 48-41 over Colorado, 42-28 against Arizona State when they trailed at halftime of this game. We haven't seen USC play football that's worthy of a top 15 designation in a long time. I mean, I, I had them 18th in my AP poll vote, which I don't have one, but I put it out on Twitter last week. Because they, they look like a non-serious football team. They had entirely screwed around on the season. They, I think a lot of it was like, hey, will they break out some new stuff that they haven't had to show in what was essentially a, a six-game pseudo preseason? And the answer was no. Like, I, I don't think USC should be ranked based on what they've shown so far this year. They don't block anybody. The defense is still a joke. The special teams kicked in an effort like, oh, yeah, we, we don't give a damn either. It. Like that was an embarrassment. I, I, it's hard, like from a power rating standpoint, to drop him totally out of the top twenty-five because of Caleb. And if Branch gets back and is one hundred percent, then he's a, a real difference maker. And but, Lloyd's been good. Like it's, the offense, the resume so far sucks. Yeah, right. And it's resume season. Like we've hit that point in the year where we got we're judging you by what you've done, the quality on the field, the results themselves. Like yeah, what ceiling have you flashed? What floor have you flashed? And and what. What do you have on the resume so far? Yeah, I agree. It's so I think there's two teams and I think we've got like we are at the midpoint season. We have six games. You have big enough of a resume where I do think you need to start taking more in. What are your good wins? What are your, you know, what, what does your resume look like from start to finish? That's why I have a problem with USC where they are, because where is the best win? I tell you what, the Pac-12 did get a huge assist from the attention that 
Colorado got because like beating them looks really good, you know, but it's probably not going to end up looking that good at the end of the season. And so, so I think the PAC 12 may be a little bit inflated as a, across the board. I also think there's another team in there. If you look at Louisville, like we're talking about USC, where do you have them ranked? If you look at Louisville, where is their best win? They smoked Notre you know? Dame. Yeah. Yeah. Notre Dame's the win. I was like, well, I, 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 Notre I Dame, Dame, over that one. That sure. Yeah. That and was, it's like interesting. Notre Dame, Notre Dame jumped ahead of Louisville. Like that's, that's so, the, a Louisville <laughs> yeah, that's is pulling their hair out because Notre Dame has two losses. Louisville has one and Louisville has the head to head advantage. The problem is that Notre Dame now has that win against USC to go with the win against Duke. And so they've got like more of those top wins. And I think that's what voters are reacting to. Maybe overreacting because, I mean, to to review that Notre Dame win over USC is to look at Notre Dame having, what, 28 points on 61 scrimmage yards thanks to short fields yeah. and defensive touchdowns. He goes... Um, okay. Yeah. Hey, listen, Marcus Freeman had that. He, he's got um, a, a big win for Notre Dame in terms of still giving this team an opportunity to finish nine and three, 10 and two. And when you have those two early season losses, that's the best you can do. But um, I think that might be too big of a jump for the fighting Irish though. I think the Duke factor might've played a role in that. Um, any other takeaways? Would you entertain a, Washington? Got two first place votes. Would you entertain Washington as the number one team in the country? Yes. What I will not entertain, like they're they're fifth in the poll, which is fine because the four teams ahead of them all have pretty good arguments and resumes and have been very you know impressive this year too. What I won't entertain are the amount of voters who put Washington at seven. What six teams have been better both on the field and resume-wise than the Washington team that just beat a top-10 Oregon team? Like, I see a bunch of voters who have Penn State ahead of Washington on their ballots. And you know what? I like Penn State. I think Penn State is a very good team. What's its best win, Iowa or Illinois or West Virginia? Like, it's (laughs) compared to Washington's resume, both are beating the hell out of everybody, but Washington has the more impressive win. Why is Penn State ahead of North Carolina? <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Okay. Think about this. All right. Do you, so, do you already have the notes set up? I can pull up the yeah, resumes real quick. Yeah. Like uh, Carolina's win over Miami is much better than Penn State's win over an Iowa team that is collapsing. Right. I think their second best win. What would you say Penn State's second best win is? West Virginia, a, a team that probably could make a bowl, but they're certainly not guaranteed to make a bowl at this point. Mm-hmm. And that, that was that was pretty convincing. I mean, Carolina, yeah. um, you know, they 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 smoked Minnesota, which is about the same level of team as, as West Virginia. So, uh, I mean, I, like, what is it? Name brand? Is yes. it where they started in yeah. the polls? That's yes. basically it. Carolina oh. has looked like a better team than Penn State has. Like Penn State's offense it's is not a that continuing good. concern. Yeah, like James Franklin. I understand why he dunked on the reporter, but. <laughs> And then it was funny. I I, I laughed. I've, I've got dunked on before. But that's the thing. Like, if I'm a Penn State fan, I'm asking the same damn thing. It's like, well, can we just try it? Just call a play just to see if we can, if we're capable of it? Because we just keep having Drew Eller throw like these three yard passes. It's like, let's just see if we could take a deep shot. Maybe it works. Okay. So, uh, by the way, they did try some early in the game against UMass. They were trying it. And I was almost thinking, did they? Did they listen oh, to the sure. reporter? <laughs> and it was rainy and cold, and it like wasn't working, and then they just went back to write what they do. 
The thing oh, that frustrates me about Penn State with a resume is why not wait, like give them the big jump if they go to Columbus and beat Ohio State. Like yes. why you can wait you. like be open to moving them. Like that's what I always try to do is like all like Michigan. I've been down on because they haven't played anybody. Now they've been dominating everybody, so they're kind of slowly growing up, but like they don't have any opportunity really until they play Penn State. But like for Penn State this week. Like, give them the credit if they go into Ohio State or even if they lose by three or two or, you know, it's a close game. I'd give them credit for that over than what they've done so far. And that's the thing, because with their defense, they can beat Ohio State. Like, if Penn State knocks off the Buckeyes this weekend, I'm not going to pretend I'm shocked by it. It's just to this point, they don't have the resume to deserve being ranked as highly as they are compared to some of the other teams they're ranked ahead of. Um, Taylor Vipolis of Inside Carolina noted that North Carolina has five wins against Power Five teams that are all by double digits. And according to his research, no other team in the country has five double-digit wins against Power Five teams. Um, I will the uh, the next couple games for North Carolina: Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Campbell. So uh, I guess we'll check back in with the Tar Heels, expecting them to be nine and zero. Uh, with Duke coming to town on November 11th. Famous last words, I realize. Um, so I, Iowa, I, I, Iowa got ranked. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Before we do uh, our update, um, and while, while we get the graphic ready for, uh, for, for Brian Ferentz and the, uh, the points for Iowa football, Tom, did you know that it's possible I've heard a conversation that's been going on for weeks, but apparently just hit the mainstream. Speaking of the mainstream, Tom, did you know Iowa could go 11 and one? What? <laughs> no way. This is the first I've heard of it. I don't know if you've been paying attention to it. I don't think enough people are talking about how Iowa could still win the big 10 West. <laughs> we talked about it on Saturday night. We talked about it like, Every talked about it on Wednesday. We talked about it on Thursday. <laughs> I wrote about it last week, but no, it's like after Iowa beat Wisconsin on Saturday, there's been a whole rash of, I don't think anybody's realized Iowa could still win the division. <laughs> so is it fair for Iowa to be ranked? I mean, you're six and one. Your lone loss is to a Penn State team that is number seven in the country. What, what did I say on Saturday night's reaction show? I said... St- Parker, Stats of War on Twitter, was going to put out the success rate chart for the how badly did, did or did we get beat that bad on Monday. And again, it, like it did in the Purdue game, it is going to show that Iowa was outplayed by its opponent and won anyway. And guess what? Iowa was outplayed by Wisconsin. The only team that got quote-unquote unluckier due to success rate was NC State, which was much better than Duke, and lost the game was Iowa who beat Wisconsin. It is the same thing every week. They play like crap for 59 minutes, but they break one long touchdown run and their defense does a good enough job and they win the game. So they're six and one. Fine. Rank them. But if you beat Iowa, don't sit there and pretend we beat a ranked team or a good team just because there's a number next to its name. This is a team throwing the ball for 35 yards per game, folks. It is not a good team. Are they the Bizarro USC? Yes. Yeah, one of the but things like, that I do is like your offense and defensive rank paired up and like best teams in the country are like 5-9, you know, 3-2 for Michigan. And then you look yeah. at like USC and it's like 8-113. And then you look at Iowa right behind it and it's like 115-2. You know, like, like they are 100% the Bizarro of each other. 
is Iowa more likely to go eleven and one or nine and three or worse? Eleven and one. Listen, the final schedule: Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska. Like, find find me the wor- find me the three losses on that schedule. They're Minnesota's going to beat Minnesota. At no, they're going to beat Minnesota. Losable. You can't you can't send Kelly McManus out there against that Iowa defense and not In expect at least two or three pick sixes. That's that's a guarantee. You can both just just look. They're both pretty damn good defenses. Iowa's is a little bit better. Minnesota has a slightly better offense. If you just both just run the ball. You're essentially just flipping coins. No. Let's call it up. Let's 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 call let's it up. Do it. Let, let's do yeah, it. Let's take a look at the points. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we almost hit the goal last week, which I we knew was a weather game. We knew it was going to be tough. I thought 24 uh, was a pretty reasonable goal, but they only hit 15. So like the government, I'm in the redistribution business, and now we're going to have to take an updated look here for our podcast listeners. I will read these off, and we can discuss how reasonable they are. In order for Brian Ferentz to hit the 325 points, 25 points per game that he needs this year, they're going to need a 30-burger this weekend at home against Minnesota. I think that's doable. However, the total for the game is only 32. So it's, you know, like we are kind of approaching the territory where they need to score more points than the total in the game, which Penn State did it last weekend, right? Total was like 52 and... uh and they scored 60 all by themselves. So it's definitely doable. We've seen it done in this conference. I still have faith. At Northwestern, 35. Hosting Rutgers, 30. Hosting Illinois, 33. At Nebraska, 24. And then 27 in a bowl game. I uh, I think this is pretty solid. I, I like this. We, we can we can still, get, still make this happen. Iowa will beat Minnesota. It yes. will beat Northwestern. So it's going to be sitting there at 8-1. and one. It could 100% lose to Rutgers. Rutgers yeah. is not a bad team. It could lose to Illinois. It could lose at Nebraska. The thing it will be is, an underdog at Nebraska. Yeah, when you play like three to two games, any single play can change the outcome of the game, and that's what Iowa's in. So it's, they make any mistake in any game at any point. They don't play perfectly on defense. They're going to lose. That's right. But Tanner Mordecai doesn't get hurt. You're going to lose. Yeah. But Deacon Hill could double his passing production and give you a whopping 70 yards to the air and then watch out. Let's supersize that passing production. Yeah. Fun fun fact. I don't know if we mentioned this on Saturday night. Missouri's punter, 39 yards passing. Deacon Hill, 37. (laughs) No, we mentioned the fake punt when we talked about the ending of Missouri-Kentucky or like how Missouri-Kentucky unfolded, but we did not have that side-by-side. Thank you so much for bringing that to Mm -hmm. my attention. Um, The bats were not hot for the Cubs this year. 35 points in Wrigley is going to be tough. Don't forget that Northwestern game is in a baseball stadium. Who knows what that means? And then we have discussed this. Is it possible that you make sure that um, you don't make the Big Ten title game because you are likely going to score zero points in the Big Ten title game so that would mess up your average, right? Like you want to make sure you yeah. don't have that extra data point uh, so that you can hit. So they need to lose a game like 35 to 31 is what you're saying. That is exactly <laughs> what I am saying right there. Who, who is the ideal bowl opponent for Iowa? It's Is it Utah State again? Because like No, put them in State, USC. Put them against USC yeah. like the holiday the bowl or something. <laughs> they could, yeah, they could score 60 on USC. <laughs> Yeah, bud, you had a great. Outs. You had a great. I think I saw you t- put out a tweet about if you're Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the Big Ten, like what amount of money would it take 
to do away with divisions this year because the Big Ten championship game is going to be awful. Yeah. Like it's going to well, like, it we been. already saw them play against Penn State, who might be the third best. Like, how's it going to work out against those other two? In the last four Big Ten title games, there have been two bizarro first halves, the Northwestern against Ohio State and the Purdue against Michigan, where like you sat up in your seat for a second and went, oh, but you always knew in the back of your mind that the Buckeyes and the Wolverines were going to blow them out. But then the rest of them, I mean, including what I'm expecting this year, has just been ugly. I mean, the the teams in that side don't like they don't play to win the conference. They play to win their division, right? Like they know they don't recruit the level of player it takes to win the conference. So they they format to basically make the fewest mistakes against other teams that really can't move the ball. And then when they get to the Big Ten title game, like the results are always the results. You can ugly it up for a half, and then they then they get their doors blown off. You say they don't play to win the conference. They can't. They can't recruit at the same level that Ohio State and Michigan can because Ohio State and Michigan come in. Like you, the state of Illinois has a lot of talent that the Big Ten uses. Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Michigan raid the suburbs of Chicago for a lot of their talent. Those other schools in the West do not get the same crack at those players. Right. Exactly. No, I, I think we're largely saying the same thing. Like, it's not like they could just decide they want to play to win the Big Ten. Like, they don't have the option to do so, uh, just resource-wise. Again, uh, we... But it would take away a potential playoff team. This is the other problem. Like, the Big Ten is by far the league that has the best chance to get two teams in. Correct. Mm-hmm. And they have an even better chance since they're not playing each other. Correct. So, like, how much would Fox need to drop? It, this is a Fox game this year, not a CBS game, right? Correct. All right. How much would Fox have to pay the Big Ten to be like, hey, man, this game is going to suck out loud. And we can have Gus and uh, and Clatt just, you know, do it like a 60-minute docu-series on, on Michigan during the broadcast. <laughs> but, like, we'd rather have it be – which they're not – that's not beneath them. Uh, see also the Colorado. J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, seriously. Um, like how much would they so have? So you're saying do away with – so you're saying like if Michigan ran the table, they would be the de facto Big Ten champ, and then you have the second, the battle for second, which essentially could be a playoff, playoff spot. No, no, I'm saying how much would Fox have to pay the Big Ten to get rid of divisions this year so that you could actually have an, an, a title game <laughs> that we will want to watch as opposed to having to watch for work. Probably not that much. But what I'm saying is not only do away while. divisions, since since they make up their own rules, we did it during COVID, you could say whoever's the regular season champ gets to buy, essentially. And then you have the next two teams play for the potential Ooh. playoff spot. Because right. there's always the risk if you do, like if you had, if Michigan beat Ohio State and then they had the rematch and Ohio State won that one, you could get left out altogether i don't think you would i mean michigan if michigan beats ohio state asking the wolverines to go trot back out there seven days later and beat them again right so then ohio state could beat penn state or vice versa and then they look better going into the selection sunday uh comment section saying georgia just confirmed the uh the surgery for brock with out for the season uh no what's his uh who had it? Uh, Tua came to back like weeks. in three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Right rope is usually four to six. Woo. Um, hold on. I, I haven't seen out for the season, but somebody uh, else is putting that in the chat, but all right. Yeah, let's, people in the chat, but I I, I haven't seen that. Like the, the tightrope thing is exactly consistent with what I thought this was. Trust in the chat room reporters. Come on. So like if you're Brock Bowers, <laughs> I mean you don't come back to the SEC championship game. 
yeah and like honestly like i want to be like i've already won two rings i i want to i want to make sure i'm healthy for the combine and for the workouts like fully healthy jackson smith I mean, elliott over here there there's there's some business decisions to be made here right <laughs> oh, uh shit. come on now it, that's <laughs> irresponsible to say that on a podcast <laughs> that was great <laughs> coming up on the other side the people have been demanding the return so we're going to deliver it for you buy sell hold day trading danny giving us the stock update next this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, four to six weeks. So <laughs> it's looking like uh, we have a segment that we've introduced and it is is already delivered. So uh, we got to give give you people what you've been wanting. We get the stock update and it's called Day Train Danny. All right. You ready to do this? I had it because yes. I used to be a little stressed out and get this going. I feel like AJ Hawk, though, on McAfee's show when he just sits there and chomps <laughs> on the stogie the whole time. Uh, all right. So just a quick review. Last week, we'll hit on some winners, losers. Last week, I bought Drake May, Quinn Ewers, Jaden Daniels. Quinn Ewers was off. Drake May, stud, four touchdowns, beat Miami. Jaden Daniels, another three-touchdown performance, convincing win over uh, Auburn. I'm going to add a little bit more of those two because I think they're mm. like gold. Right. They're just solid while there's a lot of volatility around the country, especially the quarterback play. You just know what you're going to get with those two. I think you can trust them. They're staples. You know, while everybody else could come crumbling down, you just keep adding to those two. So I'm going to add to those two. Uh, the guys I was already holding, now this one was tricky because I had Michael Penix. Obviously, that's great. I'm holding him still, probably adding a little bit more of him too. Caleb Williams, that was the one that kind of got me. Um, the, the, Cost him the Heisman Trophy against Notre Dame. Now, here's what I typically do like to do, especially if you're holding something. This can get you in real big trouble. You know, after a bad game, you know, after the stock is down, you scoop some more up, right? You uh, you cost average on your way down. You probably keep buying them. You know what? 
I am not doing that with Caleb Williams because that's what a lot of people thought. A little company called Lehman Brothers. Remember them? During the stock market <laughs> crash, the great recession kept going down. People were like, oh, that looks like a great value at $3. Next thing you know, you're holding zero. Because I do think there is a very real possibility that you may not see Caleb Williams the last couple of weeks of the season. Because what is the trend that we've heard? You know, if they lose another game, they're essentially out from the Pac-12 yeah, conference exactly. race, the championship. You could see him shut it down. So I don't want you being like holding Lehman Brothers stock saying, when's this thing going back up? It could go all the way to zero as far as uh, as that goes. The other sells before, uh, Brady Cook. Yeah, he was okay. Like they wow. won. He was okay. I don't he, was not, about he was that. not good. Like that, right. that was like that was like 2022 Brady Cook. Yeah, so you got that one. Bo Nix. So Bo Nix I sold because of Bo Nix on the road. Now, he played good, but here's where the value play comes in. This is where you buy back Bo Nix. His Heisman odds before that game were plus 650. I saw one there 30 to 1 now for his Heisman Ooh. odds. You better snatch that up right now uh, if you want to buy some Bo Nix. You buy that dip on Bo Nix because here's the thing. I still think they could run the table, and they could see a rematch of that game. And I know Michael Penix is minus 140 or whatever he is. That is way too rich a price to pay for him. I think now's the time to buy at some Bo Nix. You guys with me on that buy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because he played uh, really I, I, good in yeah. Correct. Just stop, yeah. just stop throwing at people's yeah. ankles and he'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> the other I sell mean, that I had that, I, I, that could not a good sell, Kyle McCord. I sold Kyle McCord. Probably, and I think it was Tom said you maybe wait a week because he was playing against Purdue. He had the stack game, three touchdowns without his backs. He looked really impressive. Now he's got to go against Penn State. I'll still just stay away from that one. I'm not I'm not buying or selling. I'll just stay away from Kyle McCord for now. All right, so I have the one Bo Nix buy, okay? The other one I'm going to go ahead and, um, and buy up Carson Beck. Mm. So you guys talked about Thank him a little you. bit earlier, and I know the tendency might be – well, Brock Bowers, how long is he out? I think that foot puts more attention and more opportunity on Carson Beck's hands. Like, I think that gives – and you mentioned some of the guys coming back that have been getting healthier. They've been getting – love it, played pretty well. McConkie's getting better. And Carson Beck is playing with a lot of confidence. Like, I think he would all of a sudden take over some of that hype and attention that Brock Bowers got. So I'm going to buy uh, Carson Beck, get in early on that one. Because to me, Carson Beck is kind of like getting it on Netflix early when there might be some like people are questioning like, ooh, who's going to buy DVDs and have them mailed to your house? No, get in it early before they start streaming because that's what's come with Carson Beck's. And a lot of people, they were blockbuster fans, right? Oh, I love going to look at my movies and feel them and look at the tape. So you know who I'm selling because I think it's kind of like blockbuster, a little old school. I hate to do this. I'm selling my Max Johnson stock. Cause I'm, I'm gonna, and if I don't have any, I'm just it's already been it delisted, short. Danny. I'm sorry, man. Like it, 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 it's, I'm selling it's like it on that, it's on that life ball like, trajectory. Yeah, you know one thing they say when you're trading is don't get emotional. I feel like I was emotionally attached uh, attached to Max Johnson. My goodness, we talked about it going into that game. The internal clock that has to take place. You 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 have to speed that up. I mean, you're supposed to use a stopwatch. It looks like he has a sundial when he's back in the pocket. And not only does it get him in trouble. It gets him hit way too much. He gets hit more than any quarterback out there because he hangs on the ball forever. So I am selling that stock. Uh, it's going to turn out like blockbuster. The other, uh, so I gave you, I got a penny stock for you, uh, pink sheet, if you will. Caden yeah. Salter. Don't look Ooh. now. Caden 
Liberty's quarterback, they're undefeated. He is going to run the table. They're going to be undefeated. I don't think they get the New Year's six, but I think it'll be a quarterback a lot of people are talking about. They're six and oh. He's got 20 total touchdowns, only two interceptions. He keeps putting up big numbers. He's the perfect pit for uh fit for Jamie Chadwell's system, and he is flourishing in it. Uh the last sell that I have. So I gave you guys some homework. I don't know if you saw this yet or not, but I'm selling my Shador Sanders stock and I'm selling it short. I don't care. I don't need it. I'm just selling it blindly. I'm selling it naked. I'm going to take on that risk because, and in the game he played, he played really well. I mean, he had five touchdown passes. He was still doing a lot of Shador Sanders things, but he had the very, very costly interception in overtime, which maybe if you knew the situation, what you needed, you wouldn't have tried to force it. You would have been happy taking huh. a field goal, but he didn't. But Shador Sanders' stock is very similar to a company called WeWork. I don't know if you guys are familiar with WeWork. You see their uh, buildings around big cities around the country. There was a spectacular uh, series uh, starring Jared Leto called We Crashed. And basically, Adam Newman was the CEO of this company. It's kind of like Dion, Coach Prime, who built up an entire company based on feel-good vibes. I kid you not, if you go watch it, he was basically selling hey, everyone's going to feel good when they come to work and we create a culture, we're going to create an environment that everybody's going to believe in. And when it came time for the earnings reports, you know what they did? Because typically earnings reports are very financially backed with numbers and statistics and you give them a lot of charts. They, instead of putting out numbers, used pictures in their earnings report, said, look how pretty our offices are. Look at these great communal workspaces. That to me is what they have in Colorado. It is about to come crashing down because I think there is a very good possibility they lose every game the rest of the season. Oh, no. Come on. <laughs> I mean, so in this scenario, is Rick George and Hathaway? Yes. You saw yeah. him with his jacket where he opened it up and he had the collar popped and it said Coach Prime behind it. Very much Anne Hathaway. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we're like Rich. right at the we like we're right at the peak of the we work like right there you're just starting to see a little bit of the cracks in the foundation like oh wait like ten percent of them uh, or ninety percent of them are unoccupied spaces and they're like oh but it's good we're selling them yeah could yeah. be some problems coming down the road do, do you uh, camera always seems to find him during the broadcast he's kind of always off to the side by himself I don't know. So, what Rick George? No, Shador. No, it's no. He was there on the was... sideline talking to his receivers every time right. they showed him. Just for, from the broadcast I've seen, it, it, it's. I will say I watched. I uh, thought like it's it's a reality TV show that happens to have a football team trying to be built, right? Like they're trying to accomplish two things at the same time. It's not just a reality TV show. It's not just a football team. The vibes in the latest video are are a lot different. It's a whole lot of like coaches telling these kids, Hey, like you don't love the game, you know, that type of thing. And you know, why like you constantly show up for meetings late. You don't watch the film. Maybe there's a reason most of these guys Colorado took were backups for their teams last year. Maybe they had poor practice habits and they've been unable to coach them out of it. Right. Like it, it's, we asked like how would Colorado handle what we thought was going to come and it didn't come early, right? They played really well against TCU. They played really well against the Nebraska team. That now we realize is okay, like worse than we thought, but still, like it's a nice win for them. But like, how are they handling, you know, this? I, I don't know. 
It's interesting. Well, it's the off. This well, is this is it. This is like this is your crossroads. Like this is all right. What's going to happen with the rest of this season? You've got some extra time to put in some work. Um, you need to find a victory against a team that you are not going to be a favorite against. That's the only way that you make it to the postseason at with a four and three record right now. And look, the Arizona's playing good football. Like there's like there is not a single opponent. That I is am not going to pound the table because it might tip, but I want to say I am pounding the table that Arizona is a good football team. I think that Arizona yeah, good. is. I think Arizona is Washington's second best win, and that's a good thing. So for, I saw a stat on Arizona's defense. So they've played Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, and Cam Ward, who have combined 57 touchdown passes. They held them to one between all three of them. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're, they're defense. Good. Yeah. They're legit. The thing about um, Colorado that I think is going to be because I know I didn't like Shadur I, when he went out for the coin toss at overtime. You could tell he was. I mean, you should be pissed off though. I, I'd be upset if he was smiling. He was pissed off. I, there definitely was. I mean, Charles Kelly was losing his composure. There was players yelling at coaches on on the night of the game. So yeah, I, this is the gut check time, and this is kind of what I was curious to see because I think Dion is going to be incredibly frustrated. Because he's somebody who likes to talk a trap, like likes to be bold, likes to be confident. And that's great when you can be the person to back it up. But now he likes to be bold, brash, and confident, but it's out of his hands completely. Like it's the players on the field. And I thought you showed that shot that showing up when, you know, there was the DB that was getting picked on, was it number 34? And there was some back and forth. And then that kid started yelling back at other players. Like it's going to be interesting to see how this thing unfolds. Yeah. I- I don't think that like their their schemes are bad, honestly. I just don't think they have very many good players. Like the luggage was not Louis. Dion was just wrong about that. I will say I, w- I looked up the PFF grades, and all the corners had terrible grades. Like they all got torched, and that has to drive Dion nuts because he was the best corner in the history of the sport. But 157 snaps for Travis Hunter at elevation for a guy coming off a liver injury. I think they put Travis in a bad position, you know, and he's. Yeah. He's a young guy. Like he may not have the sense to say, "Hey, man, I, I can't play both ways in this game." His his PFF grade was in the forties. That's like a grade if you play for an FCS team and you go play like Georgia or Michigan. Like that's what you're going to put up. Like that. I like Travis Hunter. I've seen Travis Hunter play a ton. Travis Hunter is an awesome player. They are putting him in a bad position, having him play both ways at altitude. Like this, he looks worn down defensively. He looked unsure of himself. He's a dominant receiver right now. I, I, that's just two, 157 snaps at altitude is nuts, man. NFL is teams that, play like 55 snaps a game, and they talk about going to Denver and how worn out you get playing 55, not 157. Like, Danny, you played at altitude. You played in Denver. Yeah. Yep. Quarterback doesn't exactly run around a whole lot. You know, can you imagine a guy playing 157 snaps at I altitude? I can't even fathom him. Is, his, is that great? Combined or is that just defense? Because on offense, that's just his defensive grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say because yeah, his offense grade might have been ninety eight because he was awesome. You know, yeah, Colorado's putting putting him in a bad position, in, in my opinion, having him play both ways off the injury at altitude. Mm. Uh, yeah, they the report was that snaps would be monitored, and so I was like, okay, they counted them. Yeah, you know, was monitoring him. <laughs> Stanford, and they're like, hey, this guy looks tired. We're gonna keep going at him. Yeah. Yeah, that was I was expecting like 70 to 80 combined. I expected he'd play both ways. That I did not expect anything close to uh, to that workload. So I love it. I wish more players were allowed to play two ways, but 
this is probably going to, like, if you mishandle it the way it feels like it is so far, it's going to prevent us from seeing it more often. You know, like, and I want to see it more because I think you have tremendous athletes that can pull it off. But when it's at your detriment, it's going to, like you're saying, it's going to hurt them. Like third and long red zone where, like, he's a really good contested catch guy. You know, like situations where you can you can really leverage his skill set there on offense, or if you want to keep him playing defense, or red zone both sides. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Coming up. Oh, go ahead. Yes. No. Okay. That's all I got. Bell rung. Market closed. Let's ding, go. ding 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 ding. <laughs> Coming up on the other side. Every single Monday, our chance to look back at some of the things we weren't able to tackle in the Instant Reaction podcast. We call it upon further review. We'll get into that and more next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast every single Monday, we like to go under the hood. We call it Pun for the Review. There were terrible calls. Do you want to go ahead and jump in? After further review. After further review. After further review. I'd like to open things up with a a look at the Texas A&M Aggies, uh, losers of two straight to Alabama and Tennessee on its face. Uh, Nothing too alarming there, but as they sit here at four and three with the remaining schedule that includes South Carolina, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Abilene Christian, and LSU, I ask, what is the Aggies' record at the end of the regular season? Eight and four. four. And eight and four is good enough? Oh, mute button coming in with a great win. Oh, no. Got me. All right. Oh, he got worn out like Travis Hunting. Travis (laughs) Hunting. I can't speak anymore. I think seven and five. What are the losses? Let me hear them. All right, like the most likely losses at, at Ole Miss, Miss at LSU. At Ole Miss, LSU. I, I think they like the way they're playing. They could lose to South Carolina or potentially Mississippi State. Well, that's it's six un- and six. It's unlikely, but like <laughs> we, that's said, Jimbo fired. Look, I, I don't think that there's a record that gets Jimbo fired or not fired. It's just to do the people with the big time money believe he's the right guy. Mm. You know, like I mean, are. Why in the world would we make a seventy-five million dollar decision? I don't based on like a slightly weighted coin flips result. The money doesn't. Because it's college football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, but like you shouldn't act like that, Texas A&M. But Texas A&M does crazy stuff too. So I, I don't know. There's all this thought that's like this is an amazing job, and from a get rich standpoint, it is. But 
there's like, oh, everybody should be able to win there. But they don't for like 140 years of history or however long they've been playing football. Like maybe, maybe we should acknowledge that it still has potential to outsiders, but maybe there are some intrinsic things about that program or town that make it tougher to, to, to win there than, uh, than it would appear from the outside. I didn't see it Saturday morning, but Saturday morning, Bruce Feldman offered a report that says he's got sources close to the program that believe that they are prepared if things go in the wrong direction to make a move. He like said a, that on, I saw it retweeted by Feldman, yes, but it was something he, he said on, he said on September 13th. Oh, uh, yes. okay. Correct. But I like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that, like, Hey, maybe they really could do it type thing. Cause he's still really expensive to fire next year. Like, at, at, some at some point, point it costs you money to bullet. keep him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would. I, I think, you know what? My prediction is it'll depend on who they get a sense is available and willing to take the job. Like if Urban Meyer is like, I'll take it, they'll fire Jimbo this year. Oh. Like I they're, they're definitely yeah. doing like background work on who they could get for the gig. So if so they like get the, the right Harmon, kind of feedback. Sark. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about, Danny. Yeah. Tom, like they needed to wait until Sark said yes. And as soon as they got the yes from Sark after the semifinal game, they fired Tom Herman, went and hired mm-hmm. Steve Sarkeesian. It was that very crisp coaching change considering it's Texas. Wasn't that and that was what happened here? They 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 play somebody January one. So Alabama played on New Year's Eve. They won. Then on January first in the morning, they fired Tom Herman and like four hours later announced Steve Sarkeesian. I'm trying to remember. Well, remember there was there was a weird thing with like Herman and uh and Jimbo, like somebody got a report leaked that like LSU was going to hire, was it Jimbo or Herman? And then it, it forced somebody's hand. It, I, I forgot how it all went down, but there was some really interesting like like plant type stuff there, uh, back in the day that, that they they used to leverage. Uh, I'll go back and see if I can find my notes on it. It was, but if curious. if power players are sending the signal that it's like, hey, no, money's not the issue. Then it comes down to performance and belief and whether or not they can get it going in the right direction. I see seven and Money five. Money isn't real anyway. So I see seven and five as the finish here. And I felt like at the beginning of the season, we were like, with this Texas A&M team, which should be at worst third in the SEC West, and with all this talent and this, that, or the other, like an injury to Connor Wegman is not enough to be able to excuse seven and five. Like that's that that is falling well short of of what your potential is. For the 2023 season, especially when seven and five really isn't any different than the seasons you've already had, like eight yeah. and fours, nine and threes. It's like, I don't know, which is what they had with Kevin Sumlin. That's the thing that's got to be most frustrating. And throw in that TCU made the playoff, Texas looks like they're going to make the play, you know, potentially could make the playoff this year. Like they're playoff contenders, and you're not even close. That's yeah, just rubbing your recruiting wise, like you've been killing it. But at some point, that talent has to equal wins. And it can't just be like, well, we play in a tough conference. Yeah, so does Georgia. So does Alabama. They keep winning with the talent, too. So you have to figure out a way to do it. I will say, I watched this game because I didn't watch it on Saturday. I have a takeaway from it that really isn't anything about Texas A&M. Nothing changed my mind. But the one thing that stood out to me was Tennessee's defense. I get more impressed with every time I see it. But then I came to the realization that this is what's happening every time I watch an SEC team is that, hey, this defense is pretty good and the offense stinks. And it's dawned on me that the SEC is just the Big Ten with better defensive linemen. It is the same exact conference. Like the bad teams in the league have more talent on the defensive line than the bad teams in the Big Ten do. But everything else is the same. There are a couple teams at the top that are really good 
And then everybody else is basically within three points of each other, except maybe for the team at the bottom of the league. It is, I, I, I don't know what's happened, but this league is far more mediocre than it has been in recent years. Like I, I still think it's the best league in the country overall from top to bottom, but it is not near the level it was even three or four years ago. Completely agree. I actually thought about this in the morning. I didn't know you had this on the rundown and it, 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 the separation at the top this year, I think is, is still larger in the big 10. Like who's the third Mm -hmm. best big 10 team? Penn state. State. Who's the fourth fourth best best. team? Yeah. Sorry. Illinois. I mean, the fourth is empty. Fifth is empty. And the next team is going to be put in six. So like, I mean, on a neutral site, Penn state is more than two touchdowns favored or Ohio state or Michigan, whichever the third best team is in the big 10. Like, but in, in the SEC, that's not the case. Like the gap yeah. between three and four in the SEC is not double digits. The gap between three and four in the Big Ten is like three scores. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's not it's not so much the power rating gap as much it's the quarterback as quarterback play. Yeah, the the quarterback play and who the teams are. Like it's all just we're going to try to win the game with complimentary football and defense because we can't score points. We're just not that good. Um, this past uh, CBS Sports Research dropped a note on Sunday. I believe this past weekend was, uh, one, let's see, games are averaging uh, 36.7 total points per game this week in the NFL, the fewest in any week since 2014. Is that just what football is right now? Mediocre offensive lines, mediocre quarterbacks, and good def- defensive linemen are, are owning the games? Because the SEC and the Big Ten are the most NFL-producing conferences. And if we're going to continue to professionalize this sport, and the SEC and Big Ten are going to be at the forefront of that. I mean, well, it looks like minor league football. What's the total in the Iowa-Minnesota game at? 32 and a half? It's something like where oh. a couple years ago when the game was 37, and it's like this has only happened seven times in whatever years, and five of them involved Iowa. And now we're seeing it on a regular basis this year. Totals in the mid to low 30s. It's just, yeah. I don't know what the exact reason is, but... Well, it's yeah. like the, I was I was saying, is it just football? Like, is that the pendulum of football right now? And uh, there are going to be lots of different ways to attack the factors of that in terms of training scheme, you know, the way that preseasons or fall camps go. I, I know that a lot of that has been pointed to, especially with the offensive line play at the NFL. But I, it it does not seem like it is the same sport that we had five years ago. No, I mean, to you know what? Not... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, as far as the quarterback play goes, I mean, no one stays in a system and like really learns and gets familiar with the intricacies of the systems. That's a great point. And in the NFL, I think you see that somewhat, but in college, especially with the transfer portal, I mean, as much as the Pac 12, I think 11 of the 12 quarterbacks in the Pac 12 had transferred, you know, and, and sometimes it works, but it really, it is like learning a new language. And I know people have heard that, but you're just not ready like to really know the ins and outs of it and then if your protection is dicey a little bit like part of knowing a system is knowing when when and where to get rid of the football really fast like oh i'm in trouble there's my outlet right there and if you're not deep in the like in the weeds of that offense and you don't know you're going to get exposed and i think there's a there's very little like not quarterback development from who can throw and who can run because they have plenty of quarterback gurus that can help you do that but getting in a system and so then combine that with the coaching turnover, like all of it doesn't allow for really deep learning, deep, you know, commitment to 
understanding a system why you're doing it, it's I think that's a big problem. It's a great point. Um, SEC is the Big Ten now. Congratulations. Welcome, welcome to the world. Uh, but you, you had a couple notes. Which which one do you want to get to first? Um, I want to give out give some shout outs to some running backs. Ollie Gordon at uh, Oklahoma State, really really good. I think Audrey Estime is awesome. Uh, Kamar Vidal at Troy, leading the country in rushing. Like, guys, Troy is good, and yeah. uh, like they play JMU basically snap for snap, and JMU is is basically on a different level than it's a wagon. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Aston Jainty at at Boise in a losing effort, and I I don't know he what deserves you're... so much better. I got it, I was just, somebody was hitting me <laughs> up about Ashton GT and I was like, man, he didn't sign up for this. He's playing so well, and this is a Boise team that is not anywhere close to the standard that we are used to seeing from the Broncos. But he is the shining light in an otherwise disappointing season. You can just kind of tell sometimes. Different. Like, yeah, yeah. If we had, if we had like midseason trade deadline in college football, he'd be he'd be starting for like an Ohio State or something. Yeah, like, like he's a really good player. Yeah, Georgia would love to have him. Yeah. Right. Uh, by the way, I think Troy is the first team to shut out Army at home in like two decades. Ooh. Seems pretty anti-American to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, bowl watch here. I think some teams this weekend are on bowl alert. Like if they don't win, they're basically not going to make a bowl. Wake Forest hosting Pitt. Mm. If they don't get this one, like their schedule is backloaded. So that's that's a toughie. Uh, Texas Tech going to BYU. If they don't get that, it sucks for Texas Tech. But like guys, consider the the back half of this Texas Tech schedule. It it's not particularly easy. They already have. I mean, they're three and four. You go at BYU and then they go TCU at Kansas, UCF at Texas. That's tough. Uh, that's tough. Yeah, I, I. It's getting late early for some of these football teams. Yeah, we'll have to do uh it's like bowl watch and then our win total update. We're, we'll have to do that yeah. soon so that we can look at our bets and and see how everyone's looking and, and what kind of work needs to be done for some of these win totals to hit. Quick straw poll. Who's the third best team in the Big 12? Go. Oklahoma State or Iowa State. I still think it's Kansas if Daniels plays. If not, then it's, it's kind of up in the air. I mean, look, Kansas State, I still don't trust that defense at all. It. I don't think they. I don't know if they beat Texas Tech if, if if Morton doesn't get knocked out. I think that after the quarterback carousel and the loss to South Al, Oklahoma's the things have calmed down. And I know there were two wins at home, but you just beat Kansas State and Kansas in back to back weeks. Like, does, yeah. doesn't it look like Mike? And you Dundee's know what they've done in those two games? Run the football with one quarterback Stuck with their QB. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like everything set. Like everything was chaotic, and now it seems like they've settled in. They know who they are. And that's good enough to win more than half of your Big 12 football games. Brett Yormark, like almost nothing can happen that would make his year bad, but not a great weekend for them. I mean, Colorado choking it against a team that's going to be going to the ACC. Further distance being put, I think, between the two teams at the top of your league who are both leaving after this year and the rest of the conference. Um, just not, not a great weekend there. But Gonzaga, look over here. Whee! <laughs> You know who? You know who? I think we got to be on the lookout for though. I don't think they're the third best team in the conference. Iowa State is. That's what I said Oklahoma State or Iowa State. Those yeah. are the two teams that coming out of the weekend. I was like, okay, let's 
let's move them to the front of this other, as you mentioned, otherwise like muddled pack where you're not really sure who's who and what's what. Iowa State also needed to go through like some some transitions and like once Rocco took control of that team and they kind of settled in. Well. It's playing well. Shout out Nate Shieldhouse. Uh, the, I see the quarterbacks coach or offensive coordinator there. Offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Since he also doesn't have a quarterback at all. I mean, that's. Emory Jones in wind and rain, not really meant to be together. <laughs> that man. <laughs> Emory Jones throwing the football. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Then you add in the wet in the wind and it's just, it's like, man, it was. Uh, mm, yeah. Um, I, I did want to, Oh, first of all, I got posed a question yesterday on CBS sports HQ, Oregon state currently six and one next three opponents, Arizona, Colorado, Stanford, final two opponents, Washington, Oregon. So coming out of the 36 to 24 home win against UCLA, do you think the Beavers have a team that can a win one of those two final games and then B win the next three so that they enter that two game stretch with a chance to actually earn a spot in the PAC 12 title game, no divisions in the PAC 12. You get a win in one of those that could be a head to head victory. That could be very important. One conference loss on the season so far. It is against Washington state. I mean, they can, I'm not going to say they will. Can win one of those two. Yeah. I mean, they beat Oregon last year. With the same play 73 times? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> What's their line against Arizona? They have a buyer, or is that this weekend? That's uh, They've got a uh, Oregon State is off this week. They return to action at Arizona on the 28th. I think that's a tough spot. I'm going to be leaning one. on that one. <laughs> and I think, we're, I think we, Dom and I are on the same page with Arizona. <laughs> the UCLA game, Dante Moore had three. Like, it was a struggle for him. That was like his real, like his bad game. Um, I still think Oregon State's good. I don't think they're great. I think they're mm-hmm. probably nine and three, which is a really good season for them. I don't think they're 10 and two. I've got a question for you guys from a listener who DM'd me this morning from Dirk Strunk. Isn't the Air Force being undefeated more impressive than your Power 5 teams being undefeated? Seeing how Air Force doesn't use the transfer portal NIL and has no blue chips, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Danny, you're the one who says they're a wagon with wings. I do. I do think I like I think Troy Calhoun is an outstanding coach. I think you have your challenges. I think it's really like comparing apples to oranges, though. You know, like I'd like to see them yeah. and I'm not like at a at a bottom. I don't know. It's just a hard comp to make. Like I don't want to take away from anything they do by saying, oh, if they were in the SEC or Big Ten, they'd be well, five hundred. Right, so they worse, smacked you know? a bad Baylor team in the bowl game last year. Mm-hmm. Trot out like a right. middling team from a power conference and Air Force is going to expose all of your inconsistencies and make you pay. But against a team that does not have those same kind of inconsistencies and also better talent, I think that's where the gap is exposed. Agreed. Yep. Could they be the third best team in the Big 12? This year, yeah. I think they're top yes. half. For sure. Yes. They're, no, they're unquestionably top half. Yeah. Yeah, Air I mean, Force could be the third best team in the Big 12. I agree. But here, there is no team in the Big 12 not named Texas and Oklahoma, Oklahoma who would lay more than a touchdown against Air Force. 
the thing for me with this Air Force team is, like, the Mountain West is good. We've talked about it. Like, at the top of the league, they're already 4-0 in the conference. They beat Wyoming, and you look at the rest of their schedule. Like, they get Navy this week, which, by the way, get the under if you haven't already because it's only going to go down. But then they've got at Colorado State, then they get Army, then they're at Hawaii versus UNLV, and then they're at Boise, the team that we've just been talking about not being very good to finish the season. Like, you look at the rest of the schedule, they should beat Navy. They should beat Colorado State. They sh- Army will be, you know, a tough game for them. At Hawaii, they should win. UNLV will be a tough game for them, and I feel like they should beat Boise. Like, this team has a legit shot to finish 12-0, and get to the Mountain West title game, and if they win that, they're going to be in the New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah. That's what I, I think. Air Force, yeah, Air, Air Force seems like destined for. Um, I don't know whether Cotton is going to end up. I don't know where the you know which New Year's Six Bowl is going to end up getting the Group of Five representative, but Falcons Peter are in the Cotton usually. Yeah, yeah, Peter Cotton exactly. So, um, anything else that we want to uh, get to for upon further review before getting out of here? I have one little thing. Like Danny even touched on it a little bit too. Caleb Williams threw three interceptions. His Heisman hopes are over. Same so people you have saying to be Caleb. Perfect to go back to back. Yeah, but I'm just saying, same people saying Caleb's hopes are over are also touting JJ McCarthy as a dark horse for the Heisman. JJ McCarthy threw three interceptions in a game against Bowling Green. I guess it only matters if people are watching. Well, it does. One Heisman, game really shouldn't decide your whole season, is my point. Um, Tez Walker was worth the wait. That was. That was some like uh, Miami has very good defensive talent and he was a better athlete than a lot of those skill players. And I was, uh, that's, I was downplaying his return. I was like, no, like they're already a pretty good offense, but he, uh, you know, after one game where he, he was greenlit on Thursday, gets in there on Saturday. I, I think that those big he he's going to give you two big explosive plays that no other North Carolina wide receiver was going to be able to give you. And when it comes time for those games later in the season for the Tar Heels against really good defenses like Duke and Clemson, like that, Tez Walker gives you a much much better chance of winning those games and competing for an ACC championship. I was uh, I, I was probably underselling exactly what his return was going to be. Anything Thanks. else? Locks right. for Tuesday. Uh, we had a Liberty request. minus 13 and a half. Oh, okay. What's the request? Was that it? Uh, Tuesday night lock. Do we have any? All right. Let's see. Tuesday night action is going to be uh, first on CBS Sports Network, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Middle Tennessee at Liberty. Middle Tennessee, the Tuesday night Warriors. Liberty, uh, 13 and a half point favorites. Anyone got anything there? Give me Liberty. Or give me death. Uh, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, Western Kentucky at Jacksonville State. More Cayusa. Uh, Western Kentucky favored by seven on the road at Jack State. This is the first team that can act. <laughs> like, is this the first team that, nice, that can really spread out Jack State and throw on them? They have faced a lot of uh, non-functioning passing attacks. Totally. <laughs> Is what I'm. It's like they play in the SEC or something. <laughs> so middle threw it on them a little, right? Yeah, M- middle middle had like 560 yards. Yeah, and middle's not a great passing attack. So, Western. 
Yeah, but I don't like the full touchdown on the road, so I'm not going to bet that. Under? Western's defense is pretty bad. They, uh, they're stud defensive end. Um, shoot, like the only guy in the CUSA worth worth worth, worth this, you know, a damn on defense. Uh, Jack has Evans. He got hurt last game, and I don't know what his status is, but he he's like a guy who matters. So if he doesn't play, I don't, I don't know if I can endorse under. And they're also they're both like max tempo teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that over under by the way only sixty. So. Who knows? And then uh, also at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, we're down in the fun belt, uh, but with two of the teams from the bottom of the standings, Southern Miss at South Alabama. South Alabama, 18-point favorites against the Golden Eagles. Feels like a lot, doesn't it? Feels like a lot of points for South Alabama on a Tuesday night. All I know is I, all I, know is I bought Caden Salter for point zero 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 three five, and... <laughs> Tomorrow he's going to be worth point zero 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 point four zero. Gonna be <laughs> rich. Day trading Danny firing up a stogie, celebrating his win that's coming after Liberty puts it on him on Tuesday night on CBS Sports Network. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cadell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott Three. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. More big game breakdowns. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Got to hurry. Finish this before my wife gets home. <laughs> <laughs>